Hey, you guys, welcome back to another episode of Have You Not Heard? I am Angel H. Davis, your host. And thanks for your patience with my technological difficulties. Um, so today we are running the episode that I had hoped to air last week, which did air on Spotify, but a lot of you guys listen on other devices. So here you go. Overcoming fear, letting faith arise. And this is our takeoff from the series on trauma. And we ended up with post-traumatic growth, resilience, and grit. And we're going to dig deeper into those things and how we can build up those muscles in especially the times that we're in right now. But four specific areas. Today, we're going to talk about fear. Next week, about shame. We're going to talk about loneliness and then anxiety and maybe some other things. We'll see. But those are the main things. So let's get rolling. To recap last uh, week, well, the last episode of the trauma series. And if you haven't listened to all of those, I would encourage you to do that. But it's not necessary. And if you're like me, you like to read the end of the book before you read all of the book then today we're jumping right in there. So post-traumatic growth is a positive psychological change that can be experienced as a result of adversity and other challenges to rise to a higher level of functioning. So we can actually grow smarter and gain more skills and more character through the trials and traumas of life. You know, one verse that comes to me is Genesis 50, 20. And this is when Joseph was in the middle of so much turmoil and trauma in his life. It's a great story if you want to go back and uh, look at it. But it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Wow, did you catch that? Not only can God take the bad and make good come out of it, but also it can be used for other people and to perhaps save somebody else's life, literally and figuratively. So that's a powerful, powerful truth. And post-traumatic growth is the uh, psychological evidence that God's truth it's true. Isn't that cool? So also um, in 2010, Dr. Siegel came up with this concept called resilience model, the triangle of well-being and resilience model. And it demonstrates how our thoughts and experiences literally shape the physical connections between the various parts of our brain. And if you go back and listen to some of the other trauma series episode, you'll see how the brain is affected. So we are affected body, soul, and spirit when um, tragedy, trauma, and whether it's little t trauma, stuff that just happens over time, like COVID and things like that, or if it's a big bang kind of trauma, like you get that awful diagnosis or 
you're in a car wreck or something tragic happens all of a sudden, it affects all parts of who we are. And so we have to look at taking care of all of that. And so the resilience model talks about we can deal with it by changing our thought life, by changing um, our experiences, meaning deliberately having some experiences so that our brains can change. And we'll talk about that more. And then resilience is that inner strength within us to bounce back or move forward after setbacks. And, you know, we can learn from the experience. We can remain hopeful. And if you believe in Christ, then there's all reason to stay hopeful no matter what happens. And then again, taking care of our body, soul, and spirit. And then learning how to be proactive, making a plan, taking action, getting help. So no matter what the circumstances, we can grow through them. And grit that we talked about is about having a purpose that's beyond us. And we're looking past just what's going on in us right now. So that's why it helps us when we can grow in this post-traumatic growth and have resilience because it does help us to have that hope for the future and the longer term goals of what you can do with your pain. Pain does have a purpose. It is never wasted in God's hand. And we have hope no matter what. So fear, we're going to talk specifically about fear today. And I'm just using the Wikipedia um, definition here. Fear is an emotion. So it's a feeling induced by a threat perceived by living entities. So us humans perceive a threat and we have an emotional reaction to it, which can be fear. It causes a change in our brain and organ function and ultimately a change in behavior. So, you know, when you hear a door slam, your heart races, you know, you have an, an emotional response. You might temporarily go, oh my gosh, what's wrong? You know, and have that little fear until you find out what happens. And if you are experiencing trauma or you experience that fear enough, then it changes how you behave. You start being more cautious. You start not going places. Um, you know, it just changes the choices we make. And you might run away from any kind of thing that might bring you fear. You might hide, you might freeze. Um, and those are, you know, the typical reactions from traumatic events. We talked about that flight, fight, or freeze. And again, it's a biochemical issue. It's a feeling issue. It's a thought issue. It all goes together. So fear may occur in response to a specific stimulus happening right now in the present or a perceived thing that could happen in the future that's a risk to our health or our life or our status or our power or our wealth or anything we hold valuable. So, you know, you might be afraid in the future that you might get COVID and it'll affect your health or you might die from it. You know, you might be thinking that um, depending on the presidential race or who is in charge at your work or whatever it is that your security lies there. So fear can come from that. The fear responses 
are a perception of danger. So again, hear this. This is a lot about what we think and what we believe. So the fear response arises from the perception of danger, and that leads to confrontation with or escape from avoiding the threat. So again, the fight or the flight. And in extreme cases of fear, horror and terror can lead to that freeze response or paralysis. Faith, on the other hand, is a confidence or trust in a person, a thing, a deity, a viewpoint, or in the doctrines or teachings of a religion. So it can also be defined as a belief that is not based on proof. Um, you know, the, the Bible in Hebrews 11.1 1 talks about faith is the evidence of things unseen or the assurance of things unseen as then faith can also be a confidence based on some degree of warrant. So you've sat in that chair before. So you believe that chair is going to hold you up. You've counted on that friend before. So you believe that friend is going to come through. So the word faith is often used as a synonym for hope, trust, and belief. And wow, you know, if you read the Bible, hope, trust, and belief are all over um, the scriptures. So fear is a coping skill. You can learn to change fear into faith and fear tends to attract the very thing it fears the most. So that's why it's so important to take care of fear because it increases. So it's like a snowball running down the hill that if you don't deal with the little fears in your life, that it will start growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, you're afraid of everything and you don't feel safe anywhere. That's the extreme, but it can happen. So I want to encourage you to those little thoughts you have and even little anxious thoughts that you can take them and you have the power to change them. And as Christians, you know, we don't lean on our own power. We lean on the power of the Holy Spirit, but we turn to truth so that we can be changed. So a scripture that comes to mind for that is um, Philippians 4, 6 through 7, or even 8, I would say. And I used to uh, prescribe it in my office as an anti-anxiety prescription. And I'm going to paraphrase it. But basically, it says, don't worry. So what I love about that is God is affirming, I know you're going to worry. I know you're going to have anxiety. I know you're going to have fear. But I don't want you to stay there. That's not where I want you to stay. And it says, ask me for what you need. So when we feel fear, um, turn to God, ask him for what you need. It may be just a breath prayer, which is, you know, a quick prayer in the moment. God, help me. God, bring me peace. God, let me see your truth. Um, you know, whatever that is. And then it says, Thank me for what I've already done. So remember what he's already done for you in the past, how he's come through in your life, how he's come through for friends and family, how he's come through um, in biblical history, you know, whatever it is that helps you remember that he is a sure thing. He's safe. He's secure. He will be there with you. And then 
it says, my peace will guard your heart and your mind. So he wants to exchange our fear for peace. And again, he's talking about guarding our heart and our mind. And, um, you know, physically, I think we've talked about through this series, our stomach and our heads, uh, our brains are connected. And so our hearts are in the middle there. So what affects our hearts will affect our thinking and it will even affect how we feel in our gut sometimes. So there's a, there's a connection there physically, also emotionally and spiritually. So then on verse eight, he talks about how to keep that peace. And it says, now think about these things. And again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but things that are lovely and, and edifying and, you know, just good things in your life, because we have a choice. We can have faith in fear and we often have more faith in fear and bad things happening than we do have faith in God and him coming through. And a lot of the argument um, is that he doesn't always come through. And that can perceive to be true, uh, meaning because we have an expectation of an outcome. And unfortunately, we're not guaranteed an expectation of any outcome here on earth. We are guaranteed, although, to have the outcome of him being with us through every single thing we go through. And if you have accepted him as your savior, um, then you are guaranteed to have a wonderful outcome in the future. But here in our reality of everyday living on this earth, the promises are you will have trouble and the promises are I will be with you. So there you go. We can count on those things. That's John 16, 33. But a lot of us, even Christians, I know I went through a, a season of this um, where I believed if I just prayed right, if I believed in God, if I, you know, did all the right things and nothing bad would happen. Well, you know, that's really the prosperity gospel. <laughs> that is not uh, true. It's, there's no guarantee. In fact, uh, Jesus says, if you follow me, you will be persecuted. You will have trouble. So that's just the world we live in. It is a fallen world and um, we're going to have trouble, but we can take this and we can learn from it. We can grow from it. Even when the worst happens, even if you have lost somebody that you love and, um, through death, he can bring new life. Through illness, he can bring new life. That is what he does. He redeems, he restores, and he renews. So how do we change this fear into faith? We can use fear uh, for us or against us. Fear is kind of like a, a, a temperature. You know, if you have a fever, then you know something's wrong. So if we're fe feeling fear, we know something's wrong. Um, there's a concept I've been talking about, I'll keep talking about in psychology called dialectics and it's seemingly opposing thoughts or feelings, um, at the same time. So kind of like that argument in your head or different kind of feelings, um, you might be feeling fear and, and peace at the same time. That's, that's possible. So they're occurring at the same time. They're both true. 
it's not one or the other. And as humans, we tend to be black and white. We want to look at one or the other. But dialectics, dialectics teaches us how to hold both together. So we validate both the facts and the emotions and then choose where we're going to focus. And we keep practicing that choice. And that's our part in changing our brain and our thought life. And it's powerful. So let's kind of look at what this would look like. There's a fear cycle. There's a faith cycle. So where are you looking? Um, Where are you focused? Are you focused on your ability? Are you focused on what might happen? Are you focused on what has happened in the past and projecting it into the future? Then you're probably living in fear. Um, Or are we focused on Christ, on what he promises us as far as being with us, getting us through, providing for us, strengthening us, giving us peace that surpasses our understanding, things like that, then we're more likely to be walking in faith. And again, we are not perfect, so we might be doing a little bit of both at the same time, but the more we practice living in faith, focusing on God and on our ability to choose that, then the more the faith will grow. So think about the scripture where Peter is walking on water. You know, they're out on the boat and Jesus is walking on water and invites Peter to come out to him. And Peter's so excited to see Jesus and he's running towards him. And then all of a sudden he realizes, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I am walking on water. So he looks at his circumstances and his ability and he begins to sink. I know I'm edifying or I'm adding to the scripture, but this is what in my mind, it happens psychologically. So he looks at his situation, his ability, and he begins to sink. But the minute he looks back at Jesus, keeps his eyes focused, he could do things beyond his own ability because Christ enables him to, you know, our faith is not just, um, pie in the sky. It's not just words on a page. It is reality. I just learned this week that the Greek word for truth means reality. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is reality in our life. And the Holy Spirit, who he left for us, is active in our life. And so fear gives us an opportunity to exercise faith that then helps us see how real Holy Spirit is and Jesus is and God's sovereign plan is in our life. Okay, so let's look at how these two cycles can work out. So the fear cycle, say you had an awful car wreck and you were hurt physically, of course, you were affected emotionally and mentally and spiritually. Um, you ended up not feeling safe. You, um, you know, had startle responses because it came out of the blue. You healed physically. And so you're driving, but you're always have this 
underlying fear, sometimes not so underlying fear when you are driving and you worry, you are hypervigilant looking around yourself, wanting to do everything to try to control things so that you don't feel out of control and unsafe. And so the fear just keeps growing and growing and growing. And like I talked about before, it can lead to um, vicious cycle of feeling like you can't be safe anywhere. You can't trust anybody. And so you get very limited in your behaviors. So take that same event, a bad car wreck that came out of the blue, you healed physically. You also dealt with the thoughts that you had that came, you know, that come through trauma, you know, I'll never be safe again. I can't trust anybody. Um, you know, even doubts about God, why, you know, didn't he protect me, those kind of things. Um, but you did the work, you went to counseling, or you had some counseling of some sort to deal with the thoughts. Um, you might have done healing prayer to see where God was and how he was working, even through the trauma, and how he got you through that and helped you heal and things like that. So, your response then was not um, fear anymore. It was their trust was replaced. Safety was replaced. Security was restored. And yeah, every so often there's a little bit of anxiety, but you can easily take that anxiety and feed it into the truth about who God is, how you handled things, that you're safe now. And no matter what happens, you're going to be okay. So it's a different kind of cycle. Um, you know, the, the faith arises because the fear has been dealt with. So we make choices and it can lead us into more fear or it can lead us into peace or calm. The antidote to fear is love, God's perfect love. You know, 1 John 4.18 says there is no fear in love. And the Amplified Version says, Dread does not exist, but perfect, which means complete and full-grown love, drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. You know, God's not going to help me. He's not going to be there for me, or I did something wrong, so I deserve this thing that happened to me, something like that. So it goes on to say, so the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. So we do need to do psychological things. We do need to do, you know, physical, medical things, of course, to heal. But it is essential that we grow in understanding God's love for us and the salvation that he's given us, the links he's gone to, to give up his life so that we can have provision here on earth. You know, I, I've had the privilege of going overseas and, and meeting some people from the persecuted churches, and it opened my eyes to how little my faith was was. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and it still is, but it certainly um, 
helped my faith grow because of the horrendous circumstances they have had and they've had to overcome, but the resilience, the growth that they've had and their trust in God, it just blows me away. And they are trusting God because of his love for them and because he's already given up his life for them. Now that kind of faith rocks us, right? Because I know often my faith is attached to an outcome. And that's where I've got to take my brain and bring it back, my thinking, and bring it back into alignment with God's love and the power of that love. There's no greater force on earth than love. And we see that even outside of the realm of God. So just think about in the realm of God, how powerful that is. I mean, literally think about if you had somebody sitting beside you that had offered to give up their life for you, that had done everything they could to bring you freedom, um, you know, you would feel pretty safe with them. You would feel, feel pretty secure with them. You would trust them a lot. And Jesus has done that and more for us. So that's something to really dive into as we're looking at replacing faith over fear. So Hebrews 13, 5 through 6 says, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we have the confidence to say that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? That's a great prayer to memorize. And remember, scripture is medicine. So when we are uh, meditating on scripture, on God's truth, our brains are changing. Our DNA changes, I believe, and we get healthier. Hebrews 11.1, 1, I alluded to before. So here it is for real. Now, faith is the assurance and again, an amplified version, that means title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, for divinely guaranteed. So it's our guarantee of God's love and his goodness and what he paid for us to have. And the evidence of things not seen, which is the conviction of their reality. So we're, hope, we're assurance of what we can't see, but yet there's a reality to it. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So we may be hurting right now. You may be in the middle of an illness, of, of grieving the loss of a loved one, of fearing COVID or fearing what's going to happen to our world um, in the next year or two. But here's the evidence, the reality. Jesus is truth. He has already gone to the cross. He has already defeated um, the evil one. And death will be the last thing that is defeated uh, when he comes back. But until then, we can have peace. We can have assurance of never being alone, of him being with us of eternity where there is no pain and is no tears and that he can take um, the trauma and the tragedies and the fear and exchange them. 
So my favorite verse when it comes to the exchange program of God is Isaiah 61. And he is, uh, well, Jesus quotes this when he stands up in Luke 4 and says, this is why I came. And he reads from the scroll of Isaiah 61 and basically that he's come to bring good news to the poor. That's all of us. We're poor in spirit or poor somehow. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Again, the tragedies of life and what sin and uh, Satan has wreaked havoc on, on us to proclaim freedom for the captives. And I've heard it said that the captives are those who are in captivity from somebody else's sin and release from the darkness for the prisoners. And I've heard that said that we are prisoners because of our own sin. So for all of that, Jesus came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And he goes on to say, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them. And here comes the exchange program, beauty, instead of ashes, the oil of joy, instead of mourning, the garment of praise, instead of the spirit of despair. And those who allow God to do this will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting for the Lord for the display of his splendor. So our testimony of how God has gotten us through the traumas and tragedies of life becomes a display to other people. There goes back that to bring life to other people. And it goes on to say they who have allowed God to do that in their hearts and their minds will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. And they will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. So that talks to me about helping others renew and rebuild and restore their lives and then generations to come because of God's healing. So guys, as I close up again, especially right now in our world, there's so much pain, so much fear, lots of heartache, but there is an exchange program. There is a way to take whatever it is you're going through, put it in God's hands so that we can grow and we can become resilient and and we can have a testimony that raises faith over fear. And then we can help others then learn about it also and receive the healing grace that God has. And we can do that through good medical things. We can do that through good psychological things. We can do that through learning God's truth. So remember that we need it all. And uh, we are affected body, soul, and spirit. So just start somewhere and practice having faith over fear. Thanks for listening in. Going to pray for you and then sign off. And Lord, I don't just pray for them. I pray for me. I pray that we all grow in faith. Through these troubling times that we're in, through all the uncertainties of life right now, we are very much aware that uh, there is evil in the world, there is sickness in the world, and there are limitations to humans. And we look around left and right and humans are failing us. 
But Lord, you never fail. You always come through. So give us clear eyes to see the truth about who you are and your love. Renew our hearts and our minds so that we can truly see you for who you are. And Lord, bring dreams and visions to people to heal them, to show them. I have witnessed it over and over again in my life and other people's life. When we hear from you directly, it changes everything. So Lord, I'm asking for you to give um, the people listening ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mind to understand who you are, how much you love them, and how you're working in their lives. Heal the effects of trauma, Lord. Bring truth and bring freedom for our good and your glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Have fun practicing faith over fear, and I'll talk to you next week.